listening to a Kink in the Chain podcast. Welcome to the Kink in the Chain podcast. I'm your host, Rope Squirrel, and I'm always joined by the lovely and talented Ritz Cracker. How are you doing today? I am doing amazing, and hopefully all of the audience members today that are listening are doing as amazing as well. Yes, we've got uh, a, lo- a, a great show for you today, a lot of great questions, and uh, yeah, let's get going. So, <laughs> so, first on the docket, we've got a news article uh, that... It was rather interesting, I thought. So what, what did you think about it, Ritzy? Uh, the article is Lessons from Kink, and it's written by Dr. Wow, Smith. Yeah, the article was titled Lessons from Kink, and it basically goes into a few things that a lot of people learn in the kink community that you may not actually learn in the vanilla world, and just a lot of things that you need to know as you start off in your kink journey. And it's written by a doctor in human sex education with years of experience, in education and formative and working with sex partners. So I found that interesting that it was written an actual by an actual doctor in this article. Yeah, the, the doctor is uh, Tim Marie Schmidt, a host of, oh, that's right, that's the host of the Sex with Tim Marie podcast. Yeah. So yeah, co-host, uh, yeah. The big part of this article that I found very interesting is the figuring out of your oh yeses and your hell noes. Uh, that's something that I actually teach at conventions, is negotiations and uh, communication between people. And that's one of the things I have the audience members figure out during the negotiation parts is figuring out your oh yeah, hell yeses and hell noes so that you know exactly what you're going into and you know those ahead of time of what you like and don't like. Yeah, for sure. And, and I like the very last line. It's like when you're stuck in line, in, stuck in line or stuck in traffic, start thinking about you know what you want because you're the only one who in a kink relationship that can tell somebody else what you like and what you don't like sure people can introduce you to things you may have not thought of but at the end of the day you're the one with the fantasies and that's the most fun especially if, as a top if somebody comes up to me and says this is my fantasy this is what i want and like oh i can make that happen i can do it that way hmm. and i know that they're going to be having a good time yeah because limitations are always a bonus things especially your hell knows like, once you figure out your hell knows, you have a better understanding. It's like, when people say, I don't have any limitations, I stop. I don't play with them. I, like, step back and question their ideas and thought processes because I'm like, what? You don't have limits? You don't have dreads? So that means I can remove an arm from you, like, like a tattoo your body or make any alterations to it I want to. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, don't. We, as kinksters, we are naturally creative, a creative bunch. So there may be things that you didn't even think we should be on the no list, and uh, yeah, we'll, we'll figure that out really quickly. I'm good at that. <laughs> right. The next part of this article that I found very interesting is the, how do you say no when you have a ball gag in your mouth, is the header. And it talks a little bit about safe words, but then it also brings up nonverbal safe words. And a lot of times people think about safe words and they just automatically think of the words they're saying. Most negotiations, people forget about the nonverbal cues, which is why I'm really glad that they brought it up in this article, because um, it's important to have two sets of cues, just in case you're in the moment and you're like, 
she's being a total brat and I put a ball game in her, I need to know what cues we've had set up prior to, so safe words. So if something doesn't happen while she has the gag in her mouth, then I need to know those words or cues and pay attention to them. So it does change my, as a top, it does change things that I'm looking at at the time. Um, I also like nonverbal cues because if I'm really in the moment, I lose my words. And so having those nonverbal safe words is always beneficial. Yeah, and this applies to vanilla relationships as well because a lot of, in a lot of vanilla relationships, there aren't safe words. People don't realize that they can say no in the moment. And um, I, I've talked with a number of vanillas who are like, yeah, I was having sex, but I wasn't really enjoying it. I know they're not doing kinky stuff, but it's, it, it's at that point where you need to... Safe words are a way of advocating for yourself. So in those particular situations, it's like, you know, hey, uh, can we try something different, like a different position? Can you put on a funny gorilla mask? I don't know. Whatever you want, whatever's going to make it work. And a lot of vanillas just go, oh, I just have to wait till he or she is done and then get on with my life. But yeah, it's, I think it's a really interesting uh, article. It, yeah, what was your favorite part? Um, honestly, I mean, there, there was a part in here about it's not intimate. If, it, if it, you're not vulnerable, it's not intimate. And it's, it's very true that um, when we put ourselves out there in a very intimate situation, we, we have to make ourselves vulnerable. I mean, obviously, if you're being tied to a table and you're not unable to move, I would say that makes you a little more vulnerable than, than otherwise. You can't fight back. You just basically you want to make sure that you're connected with the partner, that you're constantly communicating with one another. I know communication is your soapbox there, Ritzy, so you, uh, you love your communication. Oh, yeah. I'm the, like the biggest communicator person ever, or else I wouldn't be doing what I do today. Yes, that's and true. Or teaching at conventions. Like That's part of the thing about being at conventions, teaching people how to communicate. It's always beneficial to teach them that. But also, vanilla people, I like to teach vanilla people how to communicate during relationships as well, not just kinky people. So anybody can benefit from these articles. Yeah. So my listeners, I will leave the link to this article in the show description. Feel free to check it out. And if you have any comments about it, we'd love to hear about those in the comments. Tweet us, Kink Chain Show, send us an email, podcast at kinkinthechain.com. We're always happy to read your comments. So next, we move into our viewer questions. Isn't that fun, Ritzy? Yeah, I love answering people's questions. They're actually more interesting than the articles I have to read. Oh. <laughs> I picked the article. Wow, that hurts. Sorry, just so the audience knows, I read articles for work on a regular basis, and then I'm given these articles to read as well. So I just read a lot of articles, and I actually get more impacted by people's comments or questions. So I highly suggest sending some in so that I have some more answers to answer questions that you haven't already heard answers to. We have to keep Ritzy interested. So guys, come on, <laughs> I need more questions. So our first question comes to us from Ken in Rhode Island. And they write, I joined the community in the last two years. Thanks to COVID, I feel, or it is at least my perception that, all of the veterans of kink retired early. Some retired to their own home dungeons, either old or newly constructed. And when I started, those were the people I went to when I wanted to vet someone. Now that they are gone, how do I go about making sure someone is safe to play with? Have you noticed this, Ritzy? I actually have. I've noticed that a lot of the older, I guess what you call the old guard, has somewhat retired. And they don't come around much anymore. We pretty much got the newbies. So the old guard that I hang around with is still around and still playing and still trying to scare newbies on a regular basis. 
So, I have to disagree with the statement. Okay. Well, maybe Rhode Island is different. I mean, yeah. I have noticed, I can think of at least five or six couples that were veterans in our community that have since realized that why were they paying money for dungeons? They could just play at home. Um, they throw parties at home. And they were doing it mostly because they were worried about catching COVID. So they just figured it's safer to play at home. And I can't say I disagree with them. I mean, heck, I remember playing at the dungeon uh, and our owner hung up a plastic sheet in the middle of, of a room and one person stood on one side and I stood on the other and flogged them through a plastic sheet. That's, I mean, that's, it's ridiculous, but that's what I had to do because, and we were both wearing masks at the same time. So trying to, trying to keep everyone safe, I guess. Well, COVID changed a lot of things and a lot of standards. And I have been to going to more home parties now that COVID, well, COVID is starting to uplift um, because people were keeping track of who was coming into their home and it was less likely to catch COVID at one of those parties. So I converted to a lot more house parties because of that element, not because I was retiring from the community. Okay. Well, then maybe you won't, you won't. Yeah, I, I've noticed it in our, in our community and... So how do you go about making sure someone is safe to play with? That is definitely um, a question. And of course, if somebody's brand new to the community, I'm not going to go up and ask them for the opinion of someone else. They don't know anything. So how do they know that they're safe to play with? I mean, I would say talk to the event organizers of those particular venues. They might know that individual if they've been around. But honestly, if somebody's been going to the club for you know six months or, or any preset amount of time, you can, you can kind of determine that in your own brain how far, how, how long somebody has to be there. But I would say that as a kink community, we do a decent job of, of kicking people out who are unsafe. Would you disagree with that? I don't think I agree with that. So, yes, we do a really good job at, of policing who is in our community. So I run an event, and we do, um, because the event is in the middle of the nowhere, in the middle of nowhere, we do actually do a lot more, like, background checks and stuff. But I know in, like, the local clubs, they don't because they're, you know, here. It's all... It's the Wild West. Wild West, yeah. But when somebody does report somebody, they don't just take it with a grain of salt. They actually investigate and they look into it or they ask the person to leave until they can get further information um, or ask both sides. So there's a lot of information gathering that happens in certain situations. So there is a ban list in most clubs because either they came in and did something totally wrong and broke all the rules or because they have actually hurt somebody in the community. I would also say that uh, you should be able to be a fairly decent judge depending on, I mean, you didn't indicate if the person you were vetting was a top or a bottom or a switch for that matter, but depending on the role that you wanted to play in a scene with them, if they're tops, you can definitely ask to talk to previous bottoms, assuming they have any. Uh, and that is a pretty good indicator. If One, if they're willing to give you names, I'd say that's a, a step in the right direction anyway because that means they're not trying to hide anything. They, they're previous bottoms. I, I know that I could probably give a list of previous bottoms and no one would have a problem, but if you're trying to top them, they can also give you a list of tops because there are bottoms out there, I hate to say it, that are destructive. And there's been plenty of instances that I know of of Serial, a bottom that has a serial problem of basically accusing everyone of consent violations. So it's like they play with somebody, oh, that person violated my consent, that person gets kicked out. Then they play with somebody else, oh, that person violated my consent, they kick that person out. And it's like after like five or six people getting kicked out, you start to go, maybe the problem isn't with the tops. Maybe it's with the bottoms. 
So I would say, you know, try to, uh, if, if they are a bottom, ask to talk to some of their former tops if they're around. Finally, watch them play. Watch them play as a top or a bottom. You should be able to know if they know their stuff. I was also going to suggest watching them play because if you're in a public space, it's really easy to watch other people play. Um, if you're in a private space, like one-on-one at home, it's a little bit different prior to playing. I always suggest never meet a person at home first, going to a coffee shop and actually interviewing them. Because, yes, it is interviewing when you sit down for coffee and talk about each other and, like, get negotiations down and your hell yeses and your hell noes. It's always good to make sure that you have those set in stone prior to even, like, playing. So it's always good to interview people, too. Like, take the time, talk to someone, talk to them, don't just be like, cool. Unless you're used to the pickup play, because I'm a pickup player. Well, I will drag someone from the floor straight to a table, negotiate really quick, and then jump into a scene. But that's just because that's the kind of top I am, um, especially with specific events. But most of the time, if you really want to take the precautions, it's usually an interview, the talking part. For sure. Use some of the same techniques you would use in the vanilla dating realm <laughs> to, to determine if they're somebody worth playing. And yeah. In the end, you know, you may you may not have 100% confidence, but once you hit over the 55%, I'd say give it a try and uh, do it in a public space so that you're protected, that you know safe words are going to be respected, and after that, you know, see how you feel. Sound fair? Let's move on to question number two. All right. Ken, I hope that answers your question. Question two is from Jesse in Nebraska. Having attended a public dungeon in the past, I've been taught about safe words, and I understand them. However, I have a fear of using them for fear of embarrassing my top. I know they are necessary, but I worry that I won't be able to use them when the time comes. Any advice? Okay, as a top, I don't, you know, check in with my bottom out loud. I'm like, I get close to their face and close to their ear so that I can actually hear them just in case their voices are dropped. Some people's voices drop during subspace. And so usually when I'm talking to them or using safe words it's in that intimate moment it's not out loud so it's not embarrassing um if someone's yelling to check in at the person it's not as effective i find but again some scenes are like that where you have to yell across and don't ever be embarrassed for calling red on somebody no and i could definitely see if somebody's screaming red 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 you know in the scene the, the top might potentially be embarrassed i can definitely see that um, I can also see the, the potential of, like, if the person is, say, a, a big-name presenter or somebody, you know, famous in the community, if you were calling Red, you might, you might feel a little apprehension because you're like, this person is, like, at the peak of kink skill, and here I am calling Red. Um, I, could, I could definitely see some apprehension there. And that being said, though, if, if you don't use your safe words, if you don't call Red then you're not a safe person to play with, is the short version. Because if I'm hurting you and you're not calling a safe word, then I don't know that I have to stop. And it's going to look bad. It's going to look even worse on me when you go and tell everybody, oh, rope squirrel hurt me terribly. I'm like, well, it's like, well, you didn't say that you were being hurt. I didn't know, so I couldn't stop the scene. Right. And um, again, as you bring back to the presenter thing and me, I like to, again, pick up people on the spot it's just something that we've learned so it's just something you need to negotiate like if you feel like you need to use safe words you say what the safe word is and then you just say how to say it especially in the nonverbal stuff 
Um, because if you don't want to embarrass them with verbal stuff, it's always good to go resort to the nonverbal things. Like holding a bell or something in your hand and dropping it. Because that's usually very non-noticeable. and But the top should notice those kind of things. Because they're already looking out for it. And if you're worried about public embarrassment, the two of you can come up with a code word between the two of you that nobody would have any idea. That... It doesn't have to be red or yellow. Because yeah. the most common is red, yellow, green. But you could come up with like, I like pineapple because it's funny. And nobody really knows what you're talking about. Like they don't know if it's a red, yellow, or green color. So it's just a word. So, you know, that, that will help, and don't, don't be embarrassed about using it. The whole idea is to keep everyone safe, and if you're not keeping yourself safe, then you are creating an unsafe space, and while a top's ego might be bruised briefly for using a safe word, in the end they'll appreciate it because that means that they didn't injure you and therefore ruin their own reputation. So they'll thank you for it in the end. Well, Jesse, I hope that answers your question. So let's do question three. You ready, Ritzy? Yes, I'm ready. Okay. Corey from Washington writes, while we're all trying to be as safe as we can, I still attend munches and there's still venues for play. Meeting people, I can do at munches, but how can I be safe if I want to do pickup play? Well, this is very similar to uh, what our first one was, I believe. Mm-hmm. So how do, we, how do we do pickup play safely? Are we taking him to my home? Is that what we're going here? I mean, you can have everybody. If you want to get Corey in your home, we can, we can get him in there. <laughs> no, I was just like, I was just clarifying. Are we talking about pickup play in a club or are we talking about pickup play like going to my home or like from a munch to my home or a munch to a play party? They mentioned venues for play, so I'm assuming businesses or uh, possible house parties but not home play. Uh, yeah, so again, interviewing, talking to the person, getting to know what they want and don't want. Um, as either a top or bottom, it works both ways. Like the tops want something, the bottoms want something. Make sure everything is pro set like i don't have sex with my partners the first time i play with them i don't have sex with my partners um unless they're an actual partner and not a pickup play so i like that rule set on the table and if they break it then it's a no-go so there are certain limits that you have to address like right away to make sure people know in the situation um to be safe again interviewing talking talking to other people around in the munch area if that's what we're talking about, like interviewing at a munch and then going somewhere. Do the negotiation. If you're concerned about it, as a, as a rule for any negotiations, if you can have them via some recorded line, such as um, text message or something like that, so that you've got a record, email, chat, I don't care where, but somewhere that you could go back and reference. Uh, plus for me, uh, I'll have... I occasionally have play partners I haven't seen in years message me on, I use Google Voice personally for, for that kind of stuff. I'll have partners message me, hey, can we still have some time to play? And I embarrassingly have to look back and be like, who the heck is this person? I don't have their phone number saved. Scroll up. Okay, they're into this, this, and this. I played with somebody just the other day. I didn't know what they looked like. I just said, all right, here's my house. Come on over. Um, but it's nice to have those records for not only being able to play with them in the future, but in case something goes wrong, you can go back and reference saying, well, this is what they wanted, this is what we talked about. It's right here and available. You also need safety measures. As um, So if you are taking someone to your home, it's always good to have an emergency phone. I have two people on my emergency phone call list. Um, and then I will call them or text them 911 if they need it. Because I know they both work from home and they're easy to get a hold of. 
So if an emergency did happen, they're my two people who I call and they will come right for me. Um, so that's always good to know is to have your emergency contact list so that if something is going wrong and you need a person there uh, and you don't, it's not like emergency, like 911 emergency. It's more like, I'm feeling uncomfortable. Will you come over and hang out with me? Or um, can you come over t- during this scene just so I have a third body at the house? Yeah. And when I, when I do, um, well, actually, I do it at the club, too, when I'm there. I often tell my, ask my bottoms, do you have a safety call? Does somebody know where you are right now? And, of course, I'll usually get the answer of, oh, no, nobody knows where I am, but I trust you. And I have to go, um, no. Uh, who's, your, you know, who's your best friend? I want, are they, you okay telling them that you're at a kink club? Is there somebody you can tell that you're at a kink club? Here's the address of the club, or here's my home address. Here's who I am. Like, why are you doing this? Are you not a safe person? It's like, I'm a perfectly safe person. I'm not going to hurt you, but I want you to be protected because I don't want this to become a problem. And most people seem to appreciate that. Oh, I appreciate having that contact. Yeah. So it's a good thing to have. Even if it's just, you don't even have to tell the other person that you have it either. Like, I just have it just to have it. Like, that I know I have a source because majority of people have cell phones and majority of people carry their cell phones with them, especially the younger generations. Well, one of my play partners the other day didn't tell me that they had a, a contact and they didn't tell me what time the check-in time was. And so as we blew past it by a half hour, then their phone starts blowing up. And I'm like, is something wrong? Oh, that's my friend. I forgot to call him. Like, we were having so much fun. Yeah, yeah, okay. <laughs> like, here, here, they're still tied to the table. Like, here's the phone. Please, please tell them you're okay so they don't send the police over here. Um, but yeah, it's definitely a good idea. So if you want to do pickup play, negotiate. If you can get a third-party witness, great. If you can use text messaging that's trackable, great. Um, you know, get references, watch them play with other people. You know, most of the suggestions we use today are the same as, like, dating suggestions. Yeah. Like, if you're going to date somebody, it's the same suggestions as if you're going to play with kink. It's because, yeah, just make sure you have your rules and regulations and your safety precautions. Always have condoms available, both males and females. And don't make, you know... Make sure that you have those available to you. Yeah. Be ready for anything. Play in a public space if you can, but if not, you know, be cautious and document everything just in case. Well, let's make it clear that we're playing in public spaces of kink and not just random public spaces like the library. I mean, <laughs> I mean, you go to like. Sorry, the... I've been fantasizing about outdoor play lately. Oh, okay. Do we have to go? Do we have to go boink you in a library? Is yeah, I think we might need to do that sometime, uh, or at least hook me up with some vibrators. Uh, well, I mean, uh, yeah, it, we we have that available if anybody wants. Go to our sponsor page. We got tons of vibrators on there for uh, that get a little discount. I, I'm going to a con in a few weeks, and I may have three people hooked up with remote vibrators throughout the con. So that's should... it's pretty great. Hook you up with one. Yeah, yeah. Vibrate you during the show. Actually, we're gonna. <laughs> We were going to do that. I haven't heard back from Love Sense yet. They're, I think they, they chickened out on me. but Which is sad. Because yeah. they're such a good company. But having, have, having everybody on the show hooked up to vibrators during the show, <laughs> including our guests, and we're all controlling each other remotely. <laughs> yep, uh, that, that's going to be a future show, guys. Don't uh, worry. You, you'll get your wishes. Yeah, I'll, uh, I'll, talk to, I'll, talk, I'll reach out to them again and see what they want to do. All right, well, Corey, I hope that answers your question. And uh, if, if you have a question that you'd like to submit to the show, please send us an email at podcast at kinkinthechain.com. We would love to hear from you. And with that, Ritzy, it's another show in the box. How are you feeling? 
Oh, I feel great. I am glad we gave such great advice today. Yeah, I think we, we did a very good show. And as, as always... Stay kinky, my friends. Check us out on the web, the web. at kinkinthejane.com. Follow us on Twitter at kinkjanejoe. We don't bite unless you ask nice. Have feedback or want to submit a question for a future show? Send your emails to podcast at kinkinthejane.com.